Hello. I am a robot. You are listening to Strength in Depth. A 200% podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the 6th episode of Strength in Depth, a 200% podcast. This is a history of non-league football, from the time when all football was non-league to the present day, when the top end of the non-league game is practically indistinguishable from the lower reaches of the football league. This is a love story, the story of a part of the game which is kept alive by the dedication of those who will not see it die. But it's also a story of corruption, greed and exclusion. And of clubs that live hand-to-mouth lives without such luxuries as fat television contracts and exorbitant ticket prices to fall back upon. Although the phrase non-league can be traced back to the 19th century, a bigger distinction made by most people for decades was between amateur and professional football. This was a distinction that survived in non-league football for three decades after the end of the Second World War, but its abolition would result in a streamlining of the game below the Football League that would change it forever. This is the story of non-league football between 1946 and 1986. The Southern League returned after the Second World War in a truncated state. Prior to the outbreak of war six years earlier, the League had contained 23 clubs, but it returned with just 11 and wasn't able to complete its fixtures before the 1946-47 season came to a close. Chelmsford City won the title with a degree of comfort by five points from Hereford United. The League only had one division, and initially also contained a couple of Football League reserve teams to bulk up its numbers. Torquay United remained members until 1951, and Exeter City didn't finally quit until 1959. To an extent though, the Southern League spent quite a lot of time in the immediate post-war years living in the shadow of the exploits of the biggest amateur clubs. The likes of Yeovil Town had the occasional run in the FA Cup, but the semi-professional sides didn't have a competition that could raise their profiles in the same way as the FA Amateur Cup could raise the profile of amateur clubs. And when that tournament moved its final to Wembley in 1948, the profile of the biggest amateur club suddenly shot up. Amateurism, however, was coming to an end. 
As discussed on the FA Amateur Cup episode of this podcast, the indiscreet words of the president of Hitchin Town to a national newspaper journalist put the issue of shamateurism into the mainstream. Amateur football's dirty secret was set to kill it altogether. By the end of the 1960s, the Southern League was pretty much recognisable to modern eyes. The reintroduction of a second division in 1959 had added to the depth of the league, and the Football League reserve teams had all gone by the time this happened. The most successful team of the early post-war years were Merthyr Tydfil, who won the league title five times in seven seasons between 1948 and 1954. Broadly speaking, though, the Southern League was a very open league. In the nine years from 1953 to 1961, it had nine different champions, and when this run was finally ended by Oxford United, who'd won the league two years in a row in 1961 and 1962, they were then voted into the Football League to replace the collapsed Accrington Stanley. Oxford were typical of the ambition of the era. As Headington United, they'd been amongst the first clubs in the country to install floodlights at the Manor Ground. Further substantial improvements were made to the ground in the late 1950s, and they changed their name from Headington United to the considerably more recognisable Oxford United. They got their reward for this forward thinking and hard work two years later. The next teams to dominate the Southern League for any period of time were both to wind up in the Football League. Cambridge United were elected in 1970, and eight years later Wimbledon made the same trip the last club to be voted in. Wimbledon had been an amateur club just a decade and a half earlier. They won the FA Amateur Cup in 1963, beating Sutton United by four goals to two, with the club's all-time record goalscorer Eddie Reynolds scoring all four Wimbledon goals with his head. By the mid-1970s, though, Wimbledon's ambition was starting to outstrip their circumstances. In 1975, on top of a run to a fourth-round replay in the FA Cup, they won the Southern League title by three points from Nuneaton Borough. The following year they repeated the trick, finishing eight points clear of Redditch United. In 1977, Wimbledon completed a hat-trick of successive Southern League titles, this time finishing five points clear of Minehead. It was the first time that a Southern League club had won the league title three years in a row, and it was no great surprise when they were elected into the Football League in 1977. The Isthmian League returned at the same time as the Southern League, but with a full complement of 14 teams and no matches going unplayed throughout the first season back. For most of its first decade back after the war, the league title, and that was all since there was still no trophy for the winners, in accordance with the league's motto of honor sufficit, barely left North East London. In its first nine years back, 
Leighton Stone won the championship five times and Walthamstow Avenue won it three times, with the only break in this pattern coming in 1949 with Dulwich Hamlet. Towards the end of the 1950s though, the balance of power started to swing south of the river. The Isthmian League had long been a closed shop with no promotion or relegation, but that changed in 1952 when Tufnell Park left the league and Barking and Bromley were invited to join. Bromley made an instant impact, runners-up in their first season and champions the next, with Tooting and Mitchum United and Wimbledon also emerging as the league's strongest teams. These three clubs won the league title seven years between them in the years from 1958 to 1964. In 1964, though, came a surprising amount of expansion from this traditionally most unchanging of leagues. Four new clubs were invited to join, Hendon, Sutton United, Hitchintown and Enfield, all from the Athenian League, and three of these clubs would come to leave a real mark on the Isthmian League. Hendon won the title in their first season, Sutton United followed them in 1967, and Enfield completed a hat-trick of league titles between 1968 and 1970, after having won the FA Amateur Cup for the first time in 1967. As the 1970s began, though, the bell was tolling for the distinction between amateurs and professionals. Shamateurism had become national media issue during the 1960s, and with such attention, there came a possibility that the FA themselves could find themselves on the wrong end of the inland revenue's ire. In November 1972, the FA confirmed that they would be ending the formal distinction between professional and amateur players. From now on, they would just be players. The Isthmian League reacted to this by taking steps to embrace the commercial era. From 1973, the league would have two divisions – with most of the new clubs added coming from the Athenian League. And as though this wasn't enough, the league became the first senior English league to embrace sponsorship through a deal with Rothman's cigarettes. The deal was extremely forward-looking for the time, with clubs being awarded a £40 bonus if they won matches by three clear goals, and an increased share of the pool based on team performance, but reductions for yellow and red cards. The Isthmian League also adopted three points for a win, some eight years before the Football League. That idea was, as we all now know, the original brainchild of Jimmy Hill. The Northern League, meanwhile, didn't build on its successes in the FA Amateur Cup in the 1950s. Bishop Auckland, who'd won a record 10 FA Amateur Cups and lifted six Northern League titles in seven years from 1950 on, fell into decline but nobody stepped in to fill the breach. This was reflected in the league's performance in the FA Amateur Cup. After Crook Town beat Enfield in the 1964 final, the Northern League would only provide one more winner of a competition that it had previously dominated, and the arrival of a new semi-professional league added temptation to clubs ambitious enough to want to spread their wings in the direction of the Football League. Unlike the Isthmian League, the Northern League remained resolutely amateur, and as non-league football solidified into the pyramid system with which we're all familiar today, it refused repeated overtures to join the rest. As late as 1982, the Northern League was being offered the opportunity to be a Step 2 league, 
just one below what is now known as the National League. The folly of this could be seen in the exploits of its most successful club of the late 1970s, Blythe Spartans, in the FA Cup. When the Northern League finally did acquiesce and join the pyramid in 1991, it was at step five, and even this came after a slow bleeding of some of its stronger clubs into the semi-professional game throughout the previous decade. For their part, after winning the title for the sixth time in seven years in 1957, it would take Bishop Auckland a decade to win the title again. They wouldn't win it after this, until 1985. The semi-professional game across the Midlands and the north of England remained a hodgepodge for more than 20 years after the end of the Second World War. There were three preeminent leagues, all of which had regional names, none of which paid much more than lip service to the regions that they professed to cover. The Midland League had been going since 1889 and had been the original home of clubs such as Lincoln City, Burslem Port Vale and Mansfield Town but by 1950, 11 of its 23 member clubs were Football League reserve teams. This, however, didn't prevent Scunthorpe United getting elected into the Football League from it that year, and a decade later, Peterborough United followed them, after five straight league titles, a period during which they lost just 15 league games. During the 1958-59 season, the posh dropped just four points from 36 league matches, a record of 32 wins and 4 draws. In 1960 the league folded for a season and no fixtures were played, and when it came back it looked very different to before. Prior to its collapse, the Midland League contained 9 clubs from the northeast of England. It was home for clubs from the northeast that didn't wish to remain within the amateur setup, including such names as Blythe Spartans, Scarborough and both North and South Shields. With these clubs breaking away to form the Northern Counties League upon its temporary dissolution, the Midland League had a very much more Midlands-orientated face when it returned. The second of these was the Lancashire Combination, another league with a lengthy history dating back to 1891. Upon returning to action in 1946, the Lancashire Combination had two divisions, with promotion and relegation. Wigan Athletic, the latest in a long line of clubs representing a town more associated with rugby league than the association game, were its dominant team in the early 1950s, with the Latics winning three championships in four years. But they faded a little, and by the end of the decade, Chorley and Morecambe were the strongest teams in the league. It could also be a crazily high-scoring league. By the end of the 1958-59 season, when the title was won by Morecambe, each of the top nine teams in the league had scored more than 90 goals, while each of the bottom nine had conceded more than 90. Rossendale United, who finished ninth and bottom in the table, scored 103 goals and conceded 138. Morecambe scored 153 goals in their 42 matches, whilst at the bottom of the table, 
Lytham conceded 173, an average of more than four per game. The third of these leagues was arguably the strongest of the three, the Cheshire County League, containing a mixture of clubs from Cheshire, North Wales and adjacent counties, as well as reserve teams from football league clubs, this league didn't have a dominant team until the late 1950s, when Earlsmere Port Town won the title three times in four years. Like others before them, such as Wellington Town, who would later change their name to Telford United, Rill, Witten Albion and Hyde United, though, they couldn't sustain a brief period of dominance and turn it into anything more permanent. Another club, however, was about to embark on a trip that would, in the fullness of time, take them to the summit of the non-league game. As Ellesmere Port Town were celebrating their third league title in four years at the end of the 1961-62 season, Altrincham had the worst season in their history to that point, finishing second from bottom in the table. Altrincham had never been particularly successful, but by this time they were heavily in debt and at risk of closure. Saviors, however, were waiting in the wings. Noel White and Peter Swales were local businessmen who made their money from a chain of television rental shops across the northwest of England. But after a couple of years of modest improvement, Altrincham took its great leap forward with the appointment of Freddie Pye as manager in 1963. In their first season, they won the Cheshire County Cup and reached the first round proper of the FA Cup for the first time in 30 years before losing after a replay to Wrexham. By the time the 1965-66 season came around, the club were making national headlines. In the FA Cup, Altrincham beat Rochdale on the way to losing to Wolverhampton Wanderers. But more importantly than this, they also won the Cheshire League title for the first time, with only two defeats all season and scoring 132 goals. The club's top scorer that season was Jackie Swindells, a striker who played 190 football league matches for Blackburn Rovers, Accrington Stanley, Barnsley, Workington, Torquay United and Newport County over the previous eight years. He scored 82 goals in all competitions and would go on to score 195 goals for the club in 229 appearances over six years. Altrigan retained the league title the following season, and Peter Swales left the club in the summer of 1967 to take a place on the board of directors at Manchester City. Noel White would go on to become the chairman of Altrincham until 1986, before taking a place on the board of directors at Liverpool. Both White and Swales would go on to be the chairman at their respective clubs. The 1968 Cheshire County League Championship was claimed by Macclesfield Town with Altrincham in second place in the table. But by this time there were bigger changes coming to non-league football. Over the next couple of years the game was about to change in more ways than it had seen in decades. It was clear by 1968 that something had to change for non-league football in the north of England. Since 1945, seven clubs had been elected into the Football League, three each from the Midland League and the Southern League, but only one from the north, 
Workington of the Northeastern League in 1951. The mildly chaotic layout of the leagues in the north didn't help. Both the Midland League and the Northeastern League had reformed in this time, and even the most senior of northern professional leagues were peppered with football league reserve clubs. So in 1968, 20 northern semi-professional clubs broke away from their respective leagues and formed the Northern Premier League. The intention was clear, to form a northern equivalent to the Southern League, and this new body certainly seemed to represent most of this vast and varied area, from South Shields and Gateshead in the northeast to Boston United and Worksop Town in the East Midlands, and Bangor City, out on the northwesternmost tip of Wales. Macclesfield Town won the first season of the Northern Premier League at a canter by 12 points from second place Wigan Athletic. Just three points separated the five teams below Macclesfield. During the 1968-69 season, the FA had another important non-league announcement to make. One of the glaring inconsistencies of the non-league game for the previous eight decades had been that amateur clubs had a competition which gave them something approaching a meaningful chance of getting to Wembley at the end of the season through the FA Amateur Cup. But there was no equivalent for competition for professional and semi-professional non-league clubs. Sure enough, there was the FA Cup, but the realistic possibility of a club from the Southern or Northern Premier League even reaching the latter stages of that competition had long, long passed. With this in mind, and quite likely the ending of the distinction of amateur and professional players, and therefore the FA Amateur Cup as well, the FA confirmed that there would be a new competition to start from the 1969-70 season to non-league clubs who didn't hold amateur status. It would be called the FA Challenge Trophy. Macclesfield Town successfully defended their Northern Premier League title in 1970, but this time around it was considerably tighter than a year before. Just two points separated the top four in the division, with Macclesfield only successfully defending their title from Wigan Athletic on goal average this time around. Boston United and Scarborough took third and fourth places respectively, also only separated by goal average. Macclesfield's 1970 success didn't end there either. They completed a double of sorts by also winning the inaugural FA Trophy, a tournament that no fewer than 187 clubs entered. They beat Telford United by two goals to nil at Wembley in front of a crowd of 28,000 people, an impressive attendance considering the distance that supporters of both clubs had to travel in order to attend. This win set something of a pattern for most of the rest of the decade. Telford United, who were a Southern League club, won the 1971 edition of the FA Trophy, but for the rest of the decade, the FA Trophy belonged to the Northern Premier League. Scarborough won it three times, still a joint record for the tournament throughout the rest of the decade, with Stafford Rangers winning it twice, and Morecambe, Matlock Town and Altrincham all winning it once each. After the end of the FA Amateur Cup in 1974, clubs from the Isthmian League and Northern League also took part, swelling the number of entrants to 294 clubs for the 1974-75 season. But the poor record of the Southern League in the competition is something of a curiosity. But throughout the remainder of the decade, only three Southern League clubs, Barnet in 1972, 
Dartford in 1974 and Kettering Town in 1979. So much has reached the final of the competition, and all three of them lost. To put that into a little context, the Isthmian League provided two beaten finalists, Dagenham in 1977 and Leatherhead in 1978, throughout the remainder of the 1970s, and Dagenham returned in 1980 to become the first Northern Premier League side to win the FA Trophy since Telford United nine years earlier. The following year, another Isthmian League club, Bishop Stortford, won it, and Stortford weren't even in the top division of the Isthmian League at the time. The end of the amateur era did bring about the start of a new competition, though. The FA's own website states that the FA Vars effectively replaced the FA Amateur Cup in 1974, but the truth of the matter is that the landscape of the non-league game changed so much in 1974 that to consider it a direct descendant of the Amateur Cup is difficult. The FA Vars was a competition for smaller non-league clubs then as it is now. Donated by the FA councillor Frank Adams, the trophy itself has been lifted a record four times by Whitley Bay, but the early kings of the Vars were Billericay Town, who won it in 1976, 1977 and 1979, twice from the Essex Senior League and once from the Athenian League. The FA Vars final has not been able to attract quite the crowds that the FA trophy has over the years, but it remains an important part of the calendar for smaller non-league clubs. The first hint that non-league football was heading towards a further irrevocable change in the late 1970s came in 1976, when the Football League made an agreement with the Southern League and the Northern Premier League that the Southern and NPL would submit a list of clubs that had been approved, which the Football League would then select two from to go into their annual re-election vote alongside the bottom four clubs in Division 4. This was considered mutually beneficial. A year earlier, in 1975, there had been 14 applications from non-league clubs to join the Football League, the non-league vote had been hopelessly split, while the Football League had to review a large number of applications that were simply never going to be voted in favour of by their clubs. This was further refined a year later, when the league confirmed that only two clubs could apply per season. The results were immediate. Wimbledon replaced Workington in 1977, and Wigan Athletic replaced Southport a year later. The biggest semi-professional clubs have been working, whether consciously or not, towards increasing the number of them being voted into the Football League for some years, and the success of Wimbledon and Wigan prompted a push towards further streamlining, with the ultimate aim of persuading the Football League to introduce automatic promotion and relegation places. The upshot of all of this was the formation of a new league in 1979, by 13 clubs from the Southern League and 7 from the Northern Premier League, with the imbalancing clubs coming about because of practical reasons. Two Northern Premier League clubs, Matlock Town and Runcorn, didn't meet the ground grading requirements, while Southport, who had been voted out of the Football League in 1978, were offered a place but didn't take it up due to concerns about travel costs. To be known as the Alliance Premier League, 
The new league had the support of Alan Hardacre, the former long-time secretary of the Football League, and considered itself a unifying top division for non-league football. With promotion and relegation into the APL coming from the two regional leagues, an overarching shape was coming to form around the non-league game. This shape was a pyramid. The first two seasons of the Alliance Premier League in 1979-80 and 1980-81 were won by Altrincham, who only missed out on election to the Football League by a whisker in the summer of 1980. In 1981, a further change would come, with the invitation being extended to Dagenham and Enfield of the Isthmian League to join. The Isthmian League had been invited to act as a third feeder league to this new division, but had rejected the offer a situation that wouldn't be rectified until the 1984-85 season. The reason for the identity of the invitees was obvious. With most London and South East-based clubs in the Isthmian League, there was only one club, Barnet, competing from a region which contained around a quarter of the population of the whole of England and Wales. The Alliance Premier League simply needed a strong presence in London. In their 18 years in the Isthmian League since joining from the Athenian League in 1963, Enfield had been champions seven times, runners-up four times and had won the FA Amateur Cup. On top of this, they'd reached a fourth round replay in the FA Cup against Barnsley in 1981. Dagenham, meanwhile, had won the 1980 FA Trophy and reached the semi-final of that competition the previous year. Both teams justified their invitations in their first season. Dagenham finished in fifth place in the table, whilst Enfield finished as runners-up to Runcorn and won the FA Trophy, beating Altrincham in the final at Wembley. The following year, Enfield won the Alliance Premier League title. In the summer of 1983, the Alliance Premier League announced that it was changing its rules to give teams two points for a home win and three points for an away win. The idea was to encourage away teams to chase wins to a greater extent and had been trialled in minor leagues before, but there was little noticeable change to the way that teams played away from home and in 1987, when automatic promotion and relegation with the Football League was finally introduced, the idea was dropped. This rule change did make a difference to where titles ended up though. At the end of its first season, Maidstone United pipped Nuneaton Borough to the title by one point but Nuneaton would have won the title had a straight three points for a win been in place. At the end of the 1984-85 season, the difference was even more marked. Wealdstone lifted the title by four points when it would otherwise have been fourth place Bath City who would have won it by a point had the rules been those that every other league in the country followed. At the end of that season, Wealdstone became the first club to win the new non-league double, of the Alliance Premier League and FA Trophy. At the end of the 1985-86 season, Enfield won their second title by a comfortable enough margin for this difference in points calculation to make no difference, and the rule was dropped that summer in preparation for bigger changes to come. Enfield were arguably the preeminent non-league club of the first half of the 1980s, but their only ever application to join the Football League ended with them receiving just six and a half votes. Low crowds, their average during the 1985-86 title winning season was just 841, was part of the reason for this, 
but the likely bigger reason was that the Football League had by this time agreed for automatic promotion and relegation to be introduced from the end of the following season. Why relegate anybody now through re-election? Enfield were likely caught out by the fact that few Football League clubs had the appetite to vote any of their fellow members out with this change just around the corner. They'd certainly never come anywhere near this close again. But the arguable misfortune of one club was a relative footnote alongside the bigger story, that re-election was to be abolished and that non-league clubs were to finally be given a meritocratic right to fight for a place in the Football League. It was a decision that would change for the second time in just 12 years, the face of non-league football irrevocably. Thank you for listening to this 200% podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Be good to each other. And robots.